This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Uh, Today I am actually recording from the road, so I hope that the audio is going to be okay. Um, Today I thought we would talk about uh, transitioning horses onto a new feed. So that can be, you know, if you are changing from one feed to another with your own horses, or if maybe you have just purchased a new horse um, and you're bringing that horse into your own program, um, just kind of the steps that you take on getting that horse uh, transitioned over to the, the kind of program that you want. So, you know, I think one thing that most people understand is, you know, the horse's digestive system is incredibly sensitive to change. Um, but I think where we get stuck is a lot of times people think only of the the concentrate. So like what we put, we typically would call the grain portion, right? So whether that is oats or a sweet feed or pellets or whatever it is, you know, the, the meal that you feed, uh, that is typically four pounds or less in a feeding, that is what, you know, nutritionists and, and researchers call the concentrate meal. So I think that we get hung up thinking about that concentrate portion as being the only thing that really matters when it comes to transitioning. But you know, the reality is um, anything that you put into a horse's mouth um, can can be cause for that horse to um, change the way he eats, go off of his feed. It can cause changes in the digestive tract, both for the good or for the bad. Um, you know, so supplements are notorious for, um, you know, a lot of times people will find a supplement they want to feed and then they just go full dose right on top of the feed and then they say, oh, my horse wouldn't eat it. Well, you know, was that supplement in a powder and you put it on pelleted feed and it sifted down to the bottom and so the horse was just left with powder at the end? Or maybe it was um, a pelleted supplement on, on top of sweet feed and it was just that horse is not used to pellets. Um, you know, or, or maybe it was a, a powder on a textured mix and the horse didn't like the flavor or the aroma. Um, there can be a lot of reasons that um, a supplement would cause a horse to not want to eat their feed. So um, I guess let's start maybe with supplements and how to introduce supplements um, to a horse for the first time. So typically um, you want to introduce it slowly and you know a, a good rule of thumb would be to start with a quarter of the the daily recommended amount and feed that rate you know for three or four days and then transition up to half of the recommended dose feed that for another three or four days and as if everything continues to go well then go to three quarters of the dose for another three to four days and then finally you can work into the full dose um most horses will take to supplements uh, when you introduce them slowly like that. Um, another thing to consider though is, you know, what form is the supplement in and what type of concentrate are you putting it on, okay? So like I mentioned earlier, if you have a loose um, dry powder and you are putting that on top of you know, a pelleted feed that has not been coated with any kind of oil or molasses or anything like that. It's just plain pellets with no coating. 
there's nothing for that powder to stick to. And so most of that powder is going to end up at the bottom of, of your feed bucket. But, you know, there are some things you can do. So you can add um, like a vegetable oil to it. You could add a little water to it. Um, if it's something that maybe has a little bit of a bitter taste or an off-putting aroma, um, you can actually use applesauce to um, mix in with that supplement into those pellets. Um, you know, if, if you've got a really picky eater who really loves, you know, sugar or sweet things, um, you could even go so far as to, to grab some maple syrup and, and put that in there. So there are a few different ways that, you know, you can get that powder to stick to your pellets. Um, and it'll just kind of depend on what your horse prefers and also what you as an owner are willing to do. Obviously, you know, water is the cheapest option. Um, a lot of times you can just take your hands and just kind of um, take a little handful of water and flick it in on those pellets and then put the powder on, you know, depending on how much you're, you're trying to get into that horse. But that would be a good option if you're doing a powder pellet combo. Um, the easiest combination, of course, would be a, um, a powder sweet feed combo, okay? So, or powder textured combo that has, you know, some moisture to it. <clears throat> um, you know, powders obviously are going to stick to something that, that has that molasses on it or has oil on it, has some, some kind of coating. Um, another easy combo would be a pellet pellet. So if you've got a pelleted supplement and you're mixing it into pelleted feed, um, especially if those pellets are the same size or roughly the same size in diameter, most horses have a pretty difficult time uh, sorting out those different pellets. So that would be a really easy combo. Um, the other one that can be a little bit tricky is if you have a pelleted supplement and you're trying to go onto like a straight oats. Um, type of a feed, you know, because there is going to be a difference in the size of the pellets versus the oats, um, the horses will be able to sort that out. So again, you kind of have to go back to that um, mixing something in it to sort of get everything to almost uh, mix together and make that horse almost like you're trying to coat those pellets a little bit with something that tastes good that the horse will willingly eat. Unfortunately, I see a lot of people um, just try to go full dose on the first feeding and then they say, oh, my horse won't eat that supplement and they never give that supplement another chance. Um, you know, but most horses will eat most supplements if you work them into it. Now, some horses don't eat because um, they have an upset stomach, okay? So they could be dealing with gastric ulcers, they could be dealing with um, dysbiosis or imbalance of the, the microflora or the good bugs in the hind gut. Um, you know, there are a lot of different reasons that a horse can basically have a tummy ache or, or just, you know, not want to eat. And sometimes people will blame that on the supplement and say, well, you know, my horse wouldn't eat that supplement. Well, it's not necessarily that the horse wouldn't eat the supplement. It's that the horse just didn't want to eat, period. And in that situation, I mean, that's a big red flag that, hey, we've got something going wrong internally that we need to address. So if you find yourself in that situation and you're trying to get um, a supplement into that horse to help address that issue, you know, you may need to go for a paste version of that supplement. Or if that supplement is available as a powder, you can mix that supplement with um, the powder with water or with applesauce. 
and kind of make your own paste out of it. And then you can use a um, like a catheter tip syringe, or you can reuse an old paste um, syringe or paste tube, and just you know mix that powder up with some applesauce or water, suck it up into that tube, and then orally dose um, the horse with that supplement until it regains its appetite and kind of um, regains or gets back to eating. Um, and then you can go back to putting that. Um, supplement on top of the feed once that horse has regained its appetite. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be times where you just need to get the supplement into the horse, you know, whatever it takes. And I mean, that typically is only going to last, you know, three, four, five days, maybe a week in a really serious case. But honestly, I've not ever seen it go much longer than a week um, in the in the situation where a horse doesn't have a good appetite. Um, typically, once you regain that horse's appetite, they will go back to eating that supplement. So then the next thing that I want to talk about is, um, you know, how you transition a horse onto a, a new concentrate or a new grain. Uh, so it's really very much like the um, supplement transition. You basically go with a quarter of the amount of new feed and three quarters of the amount of the old feed. So just for the sake of making math really simple, let's say that you were feeding four pounds of grain X. So for the first three or four days, you would feed three pounds of grain X and then one pound of the new feed. Okay, then the next three or four days after that, you would go 50-50. And then the next three or four days after that, you would be feeding three pounds of the new feed with one pound of feed X or your old feed. Um, once you get past that three or four days, then you can, can transition fully into the new feed. So, you know, depending on the horse, depending on the situation, um, it generally should take you about 10 to 14 days to completely transition from your old feed into your new feed. And, you know, there are certainly um, safer uh, feeds. Some feeds are certainly safer than others as far as transitioning goes. Um, you know, the, the biggest danger, I guess, when you're transitioning would be if you are transitioning a horse into a feed that is really high in starch and sugar. Um, so your sweet feeds, oats, corn, barley, you know, any of those type of feeds are, uh, you need to be really careful transitioning into. Now, if you are transitioning into a feed that is, you know, higher in fiber, um, is maybe, it, or is low in non-structural carbohydrates, so low in your starches plus your sugars, uh, transitioning into those feeds is going to be a little bit safer. Um, now, that's not to say that the horse isn't going to deal with some level of, you know, just not liking the taste or not liking the texture or not liking the change. Um, you'll certainly still be dealing with that kind of stuff. But for the most part, um, you shouldn't be changing uh, the pH or, or dealing with too many major imbalances in the microbes in the gut. There certainly are going to be some, which is why we want to do this slowly. Um, another thing that I want to make sure people understand is... Um, when you go to a feed that is higher in fat content, um, you, you want to do that slowly as well. Um, if you move too quick, too fast into a really high fat feed, so when I say really high fat, I'm talking about feeds that are, you know, 10% fat or higher. 
if you move really quickly and suddenly into that kind of a feed and the horse isn't used to a, a high fat feed, um, you can basically cause a loose stool or kind of a, almost like a diarrhea. Um, so the oils or the fats from that feed just really loosen up the stool. And it takes the body just a little bit of time to kind of adjust to that. So, you know, if you, if you do move into a high fat feed and you move a little faster than, than maybe you should have, and you get a horse um, that has that loose stool or a little bit of diarrhea, don't, you know, don't worry, you're not doing any real damage. Um, but that horse's body is going to need just a little bit of time to kind of adjust to that. So you can just back the feeding rate down a little bit and then transition back in um, a little bit slower. Now, the, the third piece that I think is almost always overlooked by horse owners is the forage transition. You know, I think a lot of times we kind of find ourselves um, thinking that, you know, hay is hay is hay. If I'm feeding grass hay, all grass hay is the same. If I'm feeding alfalfa, all alfalfa is the same. Therefore, you know, I can just buy my hay whenever I get to the show or I can buy it along the road or I can change suppliers or change, you know, from, from uh, you know, one farmer to the next or whatever, you know, I think people in general make hay changes, um, essentially cold turkey. You know, it's, it's very rare that I find anybody that truly says, yeah, between this load and that load, I try to mix the two for a week or two weeks to transition my horses over. I mean, I, I don't, I honestly, I don't think I've ever come across a horse owner yet that says that they do that. Um, you know, they basically feed the first load until it's gone. And then you start feeding the second load. Um, and those horses get hit with a cold turkey change. Um, there's actually, there was actually a really nice, um, review paper that was, that was published that talked about, you know, sudden changes in forage and, you know, how sensitive horses really are to that. Um, and I think some of the, the things that they talked about in that paper was it can take the horses, I mean, it can take the digestive tract up to 21 day, 21 to 28 days to actually shift, um, from being adjusted from one type of forage to another. So, you know, it, a lot of times too, I think, you know, people will say, oh, I fed him that for three days or four days or five days, we should be good. Well, the reality is, is you could be three weeks essentially into the new load of feed and run into a little bit of a gas colic or, you know, a little, just any kind of, of gastrointestinal discomfort. And it could be because of that hay change. And I think a lot of times people just completely overlook that. So if, you know, if you run into something where your horse does run into some mild colic signs or you've got a little bit of um, gastrointestinal discomfort and you're having a hard time putting your finger on it, um, make sure that you think about, you know, when did that hay change? Um, did I get a new load? Is that hay bale from, you know, maybe a different field? Uh, is it, what did I purchase it from, you know, a different farmer? Um, just whatever the, um, you know, so I think here's another thing is people, people think that just because they get their hay from the same person. So even the same hay off of the same field from year to year is going to be different. Okay. The same hay off of the same field in the same year, but different cutting is going to be different. Okay. The same hay in the same field in the same cutting from year to year is going to be different. All right. The hay is never going to be exactly the same. Um, and another, you know, thing is, um, I hear people say, oh, I got this hay. It's been fertilized. Okay. That, that doesn't mean anything for you. All right. I mean, that means that that farmer put 
fertilizer down to help improve his crop production, okay? That doesn't mean that there's more minerals in it. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be exactly the same this year as it was last year. Um, you know, the only way to know what you've got when it comes to your hay is to send it off for, for hay testing. Um, again, I've, I've mentioned, you know, in previous episodes, um, I really like to use Equa Analytical. Um, they're out of Ithaca, New York. Um, they do a really nice job uh, with their equine samples. They report them in equine numbers. Okay, so that's really handy when you're an equine nutritionist to actually get the data back in numbers that mean something for horses. So it taught it it gives you your reported numbers. You know your energy is reported as mcal's. Um, you know your your when I say energy, your digestible energy. Okay, it tells you what it is in in horse terms. Um, it gives you a carb pack. So if you want to know what the starch and the sugar content is of the forage that you're feeding, um, they will report back with uh, starch content, water soluble carbohydrates, and ethanol soluble carbohydrates. Okay, so the the ESC and the WSC, so ethanol soluble carbohydrates and water soluble carbohydrates, those are the two different types of sugar. Okay. And depending on the type of horse that you may be managing, I mean, if you're managing horses that um, maybe are insulin resistant or have laminitis or are dealing with Cushing's, you know, the type and amount of sugar that's in your hay really matters. Um, so it's, you know, for, it's really relatively inexpensive. I, I think it's maybe, I mean, I think it's less than $30. It might be like $28 um, and you can really get a very robust profile on what your forage is. So if you can purchase hay in large volumes, um, you know, and if you can purchase at least, you know, two, three, four months at a time for your horses, I recommend that you do that and then get your hay, you know, just pull samples and send it off to Equine Analytical so that you know what you're dealing with. Um, and then when you have to purchase your next three or four months worth of hay, uh, try to tr make that transition slowly so that your horse's digestive system has time to um, adjust to that change. So another thing that um, I, I wanna hit on is when you are transitioning um, a horse into um, any kind of feed or once they're on a feed, the microbes in the gut, in the hindgut in particular, actually adjust to that uh, ingredient or to that type of grain or to that type of forage. Um, and when you change it, the microbes then have to readjust. So the populations within that horse's hindgut are going to vary based on the type of feed that you're feeding, okay? So feeds that are very high in starch, very high in sugar, that horse's microbial profile is going to look very different than a horse that is maybe on a high fiber diet that's lower in starches and sugars, okay? Um, so again, it's, it's much safer for a horse to be on a higher fiber diet or to transition into a feed or a concentrate that is higher in fiber and then is gonna be pulling the calorie sources out of from fat supplies. You know, so a high fiber, high fat type of a feed as a general rule of thumb is going to be um, a little bit safer to feed. There's, there's a lot more room for error, I guess is what I'm trying to say when you're feeding a high fiber, high fat feed versus if you are feeding a high starch feed, high carbohydrate feed. Um, there's just very, very little room for error there. Um, and the reason for that, and especially as you feed larger volumes of it, is because the small intestine is the site of where all of those um, starches and sugars basically get broken down to glucose and are supposed to be absorbed. 
Now, if you have an overload, so if you feed a really large grain meal or a really large, you know, um, high starch grain meal, so a sweet feed or oats um, or corn, you know, if you feed, let's say you, you, you feed five pounds of that, okay, um, and the horse doesn't have the capacity to hold that um, and they can't get it all broken down and absorbed quick enough. So some of that starch moves into the cecum and into the hindgut without being fully digested. And that's where you really run into those problems where you can actually cause um, some laminitis issues. You can cause some pretty serious discomfort, you know, the colic. Um, you can get the pH gets um, can get really out of whack. Um, and, and you can actually really start to um, kill off the good bacteria within that gut. So definitely make sure that if you are going to feed um, oats or a sweet feed or something that is high in starches and sugars, try to do that in um, the smallest meal size that you can. Uh, so generally I recommend that you not ever feed more than four pounds in one meal. Um, and again, I uh, please note that I said pounds, right? I'm not talking about scoops. So you don't feed horses in volumes, right? You feed horses um, by pounds. So be sure to weigh how much you're feeding. You can go get a kitchen scale um, from the grocery section at your favorite store, um, or you can go get a fish hook, uh, like a scale that, you know, has the hook that you can weigh fish with um, and pour your grain into a bucket, lift that little scale, and it'll tell you how much it weighs. So it's very important to understand exactly how much you are feeding your horse by pounds and not just by scoop size. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, different concentrates weigh, have different densities. So, you know, it may look like you're feeding um, a lot, but in reality, you may not be if the feed is really light and fluffy. So, you know, examples of really light and fluffy feed would be um, oats, uh, rolled oats in particular, or extruded feeds. Okay, so there's a lot of air content, there's a lot of fluff to an extruded feed. So it may look like you're feeding a whole bunch, but in reality, there's just not a lot there because most of what's inside is, is air. So you may have to feed more volume. Okay, so it may take two scoops of an extruded feed to be the same weight as one scoop of a pelleted feed, for example. Um, and then, you know, pelleted feeds are, are not all created equal. So they're all going to weigh different amounts. Um, there are some feeds that are very, very nutrient dense. There's a lot of mineral in them. There's um, a high level of fat in them. Um, you know, the ingredients themselves that are used within the pellet may be very dense. Um, so I've certainly seen, you know, the same scoop of one pelleted feed weigh close to four and a half, almost five pounds and you compare that to another pelleted feed and it weighs only three pounds. Um, so again, the density of that feed is really important. So that's why you don't feed horses by scoops. Uh, you need to feed them by weight. So I highly encourage you, um, if there's one thing that you do this week, uh, go, to you, go get a scale, um, go out to your barn, weigh your scoop, and figure out exactly how many pounds you are feeding each day of your feed and then compare that to the label on your feed and just see if you are in the ballpark of what the manufacturer recommends for your horse. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.